Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from this morning, September 10th, which was rally day here at the church. The Up here in Massachusetts, people tend to not come for the summer. Uh, we still had church, but the numbers were way down, and this is the Sunday when they start coming back, and Sunday school starts next week, so we had a big cookout afterwards. Anyway, we also kicked off the theme for this year, which is Open Minds. And so to go along with that, the children's message was a little skit, really sort of a pantomime to a song. And the song, if you want to really be up to speed with what went on during the skit, go to iTunes and get Harry Chapin's song, Flowers Are Red. We played that, and as we played it, several of the children uh, in the church acted out what was being said in the song. And the song is about a little boy who goes to school for the first time. And he's coloring flowers, all kinds of different colors. And the teacher comes down on him because the teacher says flowers are red and green leaves are green and there's no need to see flowers any other way than the way they always have been seen. And the little boy objects to that. But it's really actually a very sad kind of ballad about the squashing of the creativity in this little boy by a teacher who can only see things one way. I recommend the song to you. Anyway, I reference the skit and some of the words from the song at the end of the sermon. So I wanted you to know what was going on with that. And with no further ado, here's the sermon, which is called open minds. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from the gospel of Luke in the 19th chapter, verses 41 through 44. As Jesus came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children with you, and they'll not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If you remember last year, our church council decided to adopt a three-year program of themes based on the denomination's sort of tagline, open hearts, open minds, open doors. So last year was all about open hearts, and today we make the shift and move to open minds. Now, most of us understand what the phrase open mind means. It means what other people should have when it comes to our ideas (laughs) and our lifestyles and our practices. That you should have an open mind. So I want, first of all, to shift our thinking and, yeah, other people should have open minds, but let's look at ourselves for a few minutes and see where we might lack an open mind. And then I want to go on to explain why having an open mind is important for our spiritual growth and development. And to begin with, an open mind doesn't mean an empty mind. To be open doesn't mean that you've got no ideas or no preferences. You can even have strong opinions and still have an open mind. 
The difference between a person with an open mind and a person with a closed mind is not the strength of their convictions, but the ability to be humble while having them. I'm a Christian minister because I have some very strong beliefs and opinions. You never would have known that, I'm sure. There are certain things that I think are good and bad and right and wrong, and I believe those things strongly enough that I'm spending my life preaching about them and writing about them. But the trick is always for me to remember that I'm never going to have the entire truth. And in some cases, I might actually be wrong. I remember the first time those words left my lips in my 20s. It was, it was so hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> but a number of the strong beliefs that I hold today are the polar opposite of very strong beliefs that I had in my late teens and early 20s. And who knows, maybe 20, 30 years from now, they'll all change again. I've seen that I personally can have very strong, biblically supported beliefs and still be wrong. But that realization doesn't keep me from proclaiming what I believe. It does, however, stop me from insisting that if you don't believe the same way I do, that your salvation is in jeopardy or that your, sin, your faith is somehow less than mine. I don't knowingly preach things that aren't true or things that I don't believe and sincerely try to put into practice. But I'm not the source of truth, nor is any human being. God is the truth. And God is too, too big and vast to be completely known by any one of us, or even by all of us together. There's always more of God that's beyond our understanding. One of my favorite quotes is from the first act of Hamlet. And Hamlet's murdered father has returned as a ghost to speak with Hamlet. And Hamlet's friend Horatio sees the ghost as well. And as the ghost is speaking with Hamlet, Horatio turns to Hamlet and says, Oh, day and night, but this is wondrous strange. Hamlet responds, And therefore, as a stranger, give it welcome. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. The open mind says to those different strange things, come on in, stranger. Let me hear what you have to say. When you hear it, that stranger may or may not become your friend, may or may not move in. But the open mind never automatically slams the door on something just because it's not what we've always thought or because it's new or unfamiliar. There are more things in heaven and earth than are taught in church doctrines or proclaimed from church pulpits. We experience a part of God, but the vastness of God is well beyond our own ability to understand it all. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we only see now through a dark glass. The truth is not clear and easy to see while we're on earth. And that's part of the beauty of a community who think differently. If we really, really listen to each other, we might discover that a lot of our differences aren't really a matter of right or wrong, but simply different facets of a diamond. Organized religion has not been really, really good about this. Just last year, 
the United Methodists signed on to a 1999 Lutheran and Catholic accord which agreed that 500 years of debate between Catholics and Protestants about whether it was works or grace that saved us wasn't in the end a difference at all, that we had both been really saying the same thing all along. The statement, if you want to know, says, by grace alone, in faith through Christ, and not because of any merit on our part, we are accepted by God and receive the Holy Spirit, who renews our hearts while equipping and calling us to good works. That took 500 years to agree on that. <laughs> I don't really think we need to be that stubborn. But there are reasons to be open-minded beyond helping organized religion be a little less kooky and kind of move a little faster. And the first reason is to be able to have hope. The world around us is a pretty difficult place. And sometimes the world within us can be just as difficult. There are beautiful things and wonderful times. But the world has a definite dark side, as we came to know intimately five years ago tomorrow. Injustice abounds. Precious children of God are abused, tortured, and killed. Good workers lose their jobs. People we love die. We get terrible illnesses. Some people starve while others throw food away. And when confronted with the dark side of the world or the dark side of our own lives, it's hope that gets us through. But in order to have hope, we have to be open to a reality that's different from our own experiences. I find that dogs do this really well. Every morning, my dog Ruckus comes bounding down the stairs, convinced that the day is going to be filled with untold wonders. You know, who knows, there might be steak in the breakfast dish this morning. When I go out that dog door today, there might be lush green fields with squirrels and fire hydrants all over it. Those things have never been his reality. But every morning he comes downstairs anyway, filled with the possibilities that today it might be so. And like Ruckus, we have to be able to imagine things that have never been dreamt of in our philosophy, to move beyond the dark side and to have hope of something new. In fact, the greatest hope that the Christian faith has to offer is almost as odd as Hamlet's ghost. We too have this proclamation that someone's come back from the dead, but not as a ghost, as a living being. We place our hope in the resurrection of Jesus as the promise that we too will experience even death merely as just a passage from this world to something better. And also the promise that here in this life, God is able to do a new thing. As Betsy read from the book of Isaiah, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Only the open-minded can have that hope to perceive something new. And the second reason we should work to have an open mind is shown in the gospel lesson in Luke. If we're not able to ever think outside the box, we well could miss the coming of God among us. That's exactly what happened with most of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day. A few of them had minds that were open enough to see. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, 
Gamaliel, who eventually taught Paul. But the bulk of them were so boxed into their interpretation of the law that they couldn't recognize God, even when God was standing there in the flesh talking to them face to face. To be sure we don't miss God's appearing, our minds have to be open wide because God isn't exactly known for doing the predictable thing. Who knew a baby in a manger? They're waiting for the conquering hero to come riding in on the great white horse. Jesus says he's right there in the people who are hungry and sick and naked and in prison. Jesus doesn't say he cares about those people. Jesus says he is those people. And yes, God is still showing up on a regular basis today. You'll see a lot of them in Boston next Sunday afternoon. It's part of our Easter proclamation. We serve a living God, not a dead one. I've seen God here, singing in the choir, greeting at the door, taking a lamb to somebody who's hurting or a meal, preparing coffee downstairs. God is here in the pew next to you, as well as out there in the prisons and on the streets. Jesus stood on a hill overlooking the city of Jerusalem and wept. You didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you, he said. If you'd only known on this day what would bring you peace. If you don't have the sense that God is present with you, maybe it's not that God is absent. Maybe you just need to expand your thinking a little bit to include some new possibilities and some new possible faces for God. I am about to do a new thing, said the Lord. Do you not perceive it? Flowers are red, green leaves are green. No need to see flowers any other way than the way they always have been seen. But there are so many colors in the rainbow and so many colors in the morning sun. There are so many colors in a flower. Let's see, everyone. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Thank you.